Back of the Road Weekly is back, guys, and we've got, well, I've done a lot of interviews on my other podcast, Style Sports. This is our first on Tobacco Road Weekly, and with us tonight is a member of the 1983 NC State National, ba- Na- National Championship Team, National Basketball, National Championship Team, the Cardiac Pack. Everybody remembers that incredible run, uh, starting with the ACC Tournament right up until the national championship game against Houston, which was one of the iconic moments, not just in basketball history, but in sports history as well. Uh, I've got my co-host, my partner in crime with me right now, Billy Parker. What's up, Billy? How are you doing, bud? I'm great, Steve. I'm actually hanging out in Carolina, North Carolina on vacation, so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it right yeah, now. Go, I'm super excited to be doing this call. Go ahead and rub it in, why don't you? Right, don't you? <laughs> yeah, while other people are sitting here struggling at work, uh, and Billy's hanging out at the beach again. It sounds like my other partner, Liam Bryant. He's always on vacation. Anyway, with us tonight from the 1983 National Championship team at NC State is Mr. Mike Warren. Welcome to the show, Mr. Warren. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah. And, and uh, look forward to talking to you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate this. Now, you grew up around around the Raleigh area. Growing up, I'm pretty sure who you were pulling for growing up i'm taking you were nc state fan growing up well i i'll tell you the truth Uh-oh. my father was a was an all-conference baseball player at wake park okay wow so so baseball was his life uh that's what i knew growing up as a as a as a younger boy we would always go to wake forest we'd go to winston-salem the wake forest football games but it really didn't matter to me. I was a Wake Forest fan, but I was just a sports fan. Right. I was a basketball and baseball fanatic. Played football till till I got to be twelve years old, and I looked around and realized that these guys are taking football a lot more serious than I wanted to. <laughs> and, uh, that, that, that that tends to be when a little skinny kid gets hurt. So I, I, I love football. My my kids play it, but so I grew up an ACC fan more than anything. Right. And I became really more of an NC State fan. Um, we, when I was in, uh, when I was in kindergarten, we moved out to North Raleigh and we moved into a neighborhood that was relatively new at the time, had a lot of state folks there. And my next door neighbor was my college roommate, Gary Bryant, who was also a manager on the 83 team. Okay. But you'll recall his dad, his dad Charlie Bryant, was most well-known for running the Wolfpack Club forever. Oh, but yeah. prior to that was a heck, heck of an athlete on his own and an assistant basketball coach. So when we were kids, Mr. Bryant would take us along with Gary. I, I had two brothers. He'd take either one or two of us. And we would go watch games in Reynolds Coliseum and we could we got to go down into the locker rooms and meet some of the players. This was back in, in uh, Rick Anheuser, Van Van Williford, uh oh shoot, I could probably name some more if I tried. Rick Holt. Uh so it was uh, it was a lot of fun growing up, just really as a basketball fan, 
to the point of, you know, C.D. Chesley Game of the Week would come on, and I didn't care who it was. <laughs> I was going to watch about the first five minutes of it until I got so excited I had to go outside and play myself. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't. I could watch a little of it, but at some point I thought, you know, if I'm going to do that one day, sitting on the couch watching it's not going to get me there. <laughs> so when did you know – that basketball was going to be was going to take you to to the next level to college. Probably, you know, I, I probably I probably got a better understanding of that when I was in high school. Right. But I'll tell you this: I mean, I told you about going out. You know, if, if the game of the week's on, I'm watching five minutes. I'm going out. Right. And I, I can vivid I can vividly recall when I was in the sixth grade, actually actually younger than that, fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, we had some older kids that lived behind us, and I could never get in their games. They were high school kids at the time, way too beyond me. Uh, but I can recall at the time, I had, I already had set goals for myself. One of them was to be a college basketball player on scholarship. That was important to me. And also, if you recall, in 1972, when Tommy Burleson and Doug Collins and those guys lost to the Russians yeah. in the in the uh, Olympics, I recall then saying, "Okay, so I would have been nine years old at the time." I can recall then saying, "Okay, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a college basketball scholarship, and I will play in the Olympics. I will be a member of the Olympic basketball team." <laughs> so one out of two ain't bad. But yeah. You got to remember the Olympic basketball team that I would have been on was the dream team. Those were my guys, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, uh, Carl Malone. You know, so, so hey, I, I, got beat out, I got beat out by a pretty good crowd. I'm not yeah, sure about yeah, that. Yeah, you, you, you got beat out by a pretty good crowd. But, so what schools you well, I had? You know, I had that in, my, in mind. I was a baseball player. I was really a better baseball player. Um, I, I was a pitcher. I threw a perfect game in the Raleigh City wow. Championship game. That got a little bit of attention. Uh, but but it really didn't matter to me. If it was baseball season, I was a baseball player. If it was basketball season, I was a basketball player. Right. And really, when I started to grow, you know, I sat the bench in, in junior high. I never got in. I mean, we were 14 and no, we were city champs two years running when I was in junior high. And I made the team as a sixth grader. I made the team as a seventh grader, eighth grader. But I never played. You know, I just I just I wasn't big enough, strong enough. But I cared. And, I, and I, you weren't going to keep me off of a team. But then when I got to the ninth grade, I grew three inches, so I was about 6'3". <laughs> and then in the in the summer between ninth and tenth, I grew three more, about 6'6". Six, six. So that's when, you know, I was still playing baseball. But I was, starting, I was starting to get a little bit more attention as a basketball player. And really the guy who, who, who put me over the top was Ed McClain. Right. Ed McLean was my high school coach. He was a legendary high school coach. If you'll recall, he came to NC State as an assistant in the 82-83 season. And, and really, as far as basketball coaching in the 83 run, it was Ed McLean and Jim Valvano that were really making all the adjustments, really doing all the, all the really doing the basketball coaching. And Ed McLean was one of the greatest men that I ever had the pleasure to be around. Uh, he was a, he was a phenomenal coach. 
He was a phenomenal friend. If you ever get a chance to talk to Phil Spence, who also went to Broughton High School and played on the 74 National Championship team, I guarantee you Phil Spence will will take the conversation to Ed McLean before you do. Right. And it's just it's just it's just the type of man that he was. So he's really the one that pulled me aside one day and said, you know, you ever thought about trying to gain weight, you ever thought about hitting the weight room, you ever thought about doing certain things. He saw something in me at the time that maybe I didn't recognize and uh, and, and I give him all the credit. So you're a, you're a high school all American at Broughton High School. What other schools? Correct. What other schools besides NC State are in the mix for you to come? What are, who are making offers? So my dad obviously wanted me to go to Wake Forest, and Carl Tracy was the coach at the time. Right. So I can I considered that, but I, something about it it just wasn't. I mean, I grew up like I said watching Skip Brown and Rod Griffin and those guys, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, I went to basketball. I went to five-star basketball camp up in the Northeast in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. And phenomenal experience. Patrick Ewing was there. Eddie Pinky was there. Uh, Wayne McLean from Villanova was there. Eddie, Eddie Pinky was a teammate. Tim Kempton was a teammate. Uh, Milt Wagner was there. Wow. Michael Jordan had been a camper of the week the week before. It was, it was, I mean, look, looking, I'd love to have a roster of that camp because it was the absolute who's who of who was there. So I got a lot of attention from Northeastern schools. And the school that I liked probably the most was Princeton. Oh, wow. And, and I mean, as far as a Northeast school. Right. I was, I was recruited by Army. Um, I was recruited by some Ivy League schools. Princeton I liked the most. And... Uh, they had a legendary coach, but let me tell you what he told me. And by this time, NC State's interested. Uh, my dad was very good friends with Bobby Crimmins, who had not gone to Georgia Tech yet. He was still at, at Appalachian. And I just didn't want to go to Appalachian. But my dad loved Bobby Crimmins. I mean, it was all <laughs> about Bobby Crimmins. And so he was in the mix really just to, you know, really just to keep my dad off my case. Uh, and, and then I had I had two really good friends, one that played at UNC Wilmington, and they were both very good family friends with Ed McLean. And at the time, Mel Gibson was the head coach at UNC Wilmington, and he was a former Los Angeles Laker. And I really didn't want to go to Wilmington either, um, but it's, it's you, you have to talk to some of these guys. They, they claim Wilmington spent ninety percent of the recruiting budget on me. I think it's BS. But <laughs> we, we had a good time. You know, we had a good time <laughs> laughing about it. But but ultimately, ultimately, I wanted to go to NC State. But to get back to Princeton for a minute, I'll never forget. Coach came to see me at Broughton, and my, my parents are state employees. We didn't have any money, so. You know, the, the, the idea, first of all, getting a college scholarship was important to me, but I thought it was also important to them. And this guy told me, you know, you, we don't give out athletic scholarships. Well, he didn't finish the sentence, or if he did, I wasn't listening. <laughs> because as soon as he said, we don't give out athletic scholarships, I pretty much turned my mind off. But 
obviously, if you want to go to Princeton and you're an athlete, they're going to they're going to pay your way. It, it, you're going to be on scholarship. It's just going to be a different kind of scholarship. But honestly, once he said no basketball scholarships, that was it for me. And when when Valvano came to the first, he came to several games. But when he came to my first visit in in Holiday Gym at Broughton High School, and we sat down and talked, I mean, I, I was pretty well. I was pretty certain that's where I'm going. I mean, he. He offers me a scholarship. That's where I'm going. <laughs> and it wasn't a week or two later that they did, and, you know, the rest is history as far as that goes. Yeah. Now, Mike, was that because he was such a great recruiter and charismatic, or is it because you want to get to state, or is it just all the above? Well, r- really really because because of him. Um, you know, when, when we first sat down, again, I can picture it just like it was yesterday, and he was just a presence. He was an absolute yeah. presence. Now, I'm not knocking Krzyzewski. He came to one of my games one time, and he just, he just, you know, I mean, obviously, time's been good to him. But at that particular time, I don't know what he was selling, but I never, I mean, I didn't give him a chance. I mean, not, and I'm not saying he would have given me a chance. Right. But it, there was a presence about the V-Man. When he came in, <laughs> he was in charge. He took over the room. He asked me what I was interested in, and I told him. You know, he immediately, you know, he might have been totally BS to me. I have no idea. But he was, put it this way, he was very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. He was a great talker. He was a great talker. That guy, I mean, not being a Carolina fan, I still, and I still go back and watch some of the, some of the uh, talks he gave and people have on YouTube and just love every minute of it. I mean, the guy could, the guy had a, like, charisma. And like you said, he, he could take over a room. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, and, and I like I like the, the, the team that they had. I became friends with those guys my senior year in high school. Uh, you know, being local, I could get to pretty much every home game. Um, I knew Gary Bryant already, so that was a plus. I got to know Thurl. Coach McLean re- really said, you know, stick with Thurl. Yeah. Get to know Thurl. Not, nothing negative about anybody else, but just, you know, th- this is a guy that, 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 that I trust you with. Um, and and he was 100% right about that. And, you know, that, that, particular, that particular team, uh, you know, that, that was the team when, when, you know, V tells the story about coming in and meeting with Craig Watts, Kenny Matthews, and Art Jones. And asking them what they wanted to do when they left NC State, and every one of them said they were going to play in the NBA. And he said, "Damn, this is incredible! I got I got three NBA players on my roster. I don't even know who they are." <laughs> so, you know, but but I came in and joined Chuck Nevitt, Scott Parzich, Max Perry, Emmett Lay. They were the senior class. Then, of course, Thurl and Sydney and Derek, uh, Quentin Leonard came in with me and joined that that junior class. Ultimately, seniors won in '83. Uh, Harold Thompson was the only recruit that came in in Norm Sloan's last year but stayed. And so me, Terry Gannon, Pinky Proctor, Cozell McQueen, and Lorenzo Charles were Coach V's first recruiting class. And, and Pretty amazing class for your first class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no kid. No kid. 
So what? Talk a little bit about what it was like playing for Valvano. I mean, everybody hears it, but I, I've talked to several NC State players over the years that played for him. Uh, what was it like playing for this guy? I mean, it, it, he seems like somebody you'd like, and I use this old cliche, you'd run through a brick wall for. You you, you probably would, but in a, it, for, for maybe for the same ultimate reason, but he got there in different ways. The guy, the, the, the guy just knew how to interact. And, and look, he was 33 years old when he came to Raleigh. Yeah. 33. I mean, think about yeah. that. I'm, I'm 19, 18, 19-year-old kid. He's only 12 or 13 years <laughs> older than me. And, you know, he's only 10 years older than, than some of those guys. And, and he just had a way. He just knew how to interact. And it was really just the passion that he had for life, not just basketball, just for life. And it, and it rubbed off on you. I mean, we, we never had I – can, I can name – I can really name one time in my career at NC State that I really recall him taking the, the old school, I'm your coach, and I'm furious with this team, and I'm going to run you to death approach. He never did that, except one year – we we had been we had been on the road. We came back to Greensboro to play Virginia Tech. Del Curry lit us up. They beat <laughs> they beat our butts. He put us back on the bus in Greensboro. So we hadn't been home in two games. He puts us back on the bus in Greensboro. We go straight to Reynolds Coliseum. I don't even remember what time we got home, and we went straight upstairs and practiced. But that was not his way. He just, he treated you, and he always tells us, he treated you the way he wanted to be treated. And Sydney, I'll give you a great example. So Sydney, I was talking about, about part of this t- today with a friend of mine. Sydney would come in, and he would say, Coach, my feet hurt. My dogs are barking. My feet hurt. I can't, I can't practice today. Okay, okay, no problem. No problem. Take it down. If, 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 I, if I say, Coach, I got I got an exam tomorrow. I got a test tomorrow. Man, I need I need to go meet a tutor or something. No problem, go. It the the basketball was important, but he never he never just absolutely forced it on you. You wanted to be there and do it for him. Right. You know, in, in eighty three the week you know, we stayed out west forever. Yeah. And we yeah. came back after we beat Virginia. So we were only here for less than a week. And Sydney Sydney had arranged a deal that he was buying a car. And no telling how good a deal he was getting on the car. I don't think the guy was giving him the car. But Sid, Sid tells me, this was on a Monday. Sid says, Mike, I need a ride to Clinton. And I had a car. Dinky Proctor's got a bum knee. Thinks as I'll go, he would have gone anywhere. So we get in my little Toyota, and we, and we got we got practice at four o'clock now. There's going to be six thousand people at practice, and Sid said, "Don't worry about it. I just want to run down here and pick this car up and come right back." You know, we, we'll probably be. We didn't get back till like nine o'clock that night. Oh wow! And 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 other than I'll say this, other than them saying telling Sydney to send the car back. 
no matter what the deal was, above board, below board, whatever it was, and, and nobody ever said anything about it. They made him send the car back till the season was over, and then he'd do what he wanted. And he probably should have done that in the first place. But V would not have jumped on him, and because he's not going to jump on Sydney, he's not going to jump on me. Yeah. You know, he, he, he never said another thing to us. Wow. He was just a ph- phenomenal guy that you wanted. You know, I've, I've had you know I've had coaches along the way, and you dread going to practice. Yeah, never the case. We we had so much fun. We practiced hard, but we never practiced. You know, I can't I can't remember a a a uh, during the season practice that went more than maybe an hour and a half. You know, uh-huh. the, 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 the day, the, day before a game, we would go an hour. But, like, most teams would just shoot and do a walkthrough or something like that. We went hard for an hour. I mean, we went hard. But it was for an hour. And he wanted – he, you know, he was the first one I remember saying, okay, we we play at 7 o'clock tonight so or tomorrow night, so practice is at 7 o'clock tonight. I mean, he, he was one of those guys that I never – you know – Practice time is practice time. It's four, you know, you practice at four o'clock. Well, not if you play at seven tomorrow. We're gonna play. We're gonna practice at seven. We <laughs> want your body acclimated to where you're going to be. Just di- different things like that. Nice. And when, when 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 you put all that together, and you have guys that we liked each other. Uh, it was fun. It was a great coaching staff. Enjoyed being together. Uh, that that's when things click. Yeah. I got to ask a question. Um, So you mentioned kind of unorthodox things and things a little different. So you mentioned in one of his speeches, I saw that you guys, one one, one practice a year, I guess, would cut down the nets. So is that true? Would you guys guys do that? That's true. That's amazing. Well, he wanted wanted them to to be, you know, be able to know what to do when when they got there. He, I mean, watching, watching that 30 for 30. Oh my gosh! I could watch it over and over again, but uh, yeah, it's it's so informative on that. But yeah, cutting, practicing, cutting the nets down. That's I'd never heard that before. I, I saw that on Thirty for Thirty. Exactly, exactly, and and that's it's just unorthodox, and <laughs> and and his whole approach was unorthodox, but it was about having fun. Yeah, and he, he was always the kind of guy that was that was. You know, he would say things like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let the best team beat us." I remember Wake Forest beat us one day because Muggsy Bogues scored 20 or 25 points, but we were double teaming Kenny Green the whole time. <laughs> Kenny Green never, I mean, I don't know that he scored, but you know, somebody else was going to have to step up. In that case, somebody did. But you know, who who who, who fouls like we fouled? I mean, they changed the look, guys. Exactly. They changed the they changed the <laughs> rules because of him. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. It, it's just, it, it is incredible. It is incredible, and uh, it was it was it was really a blast being around him for four years, and then I was around beyond that because I went to work in Raleigh. I stayed here, uh, so I was around them a lot. I was around a lot in the in the uh, in the days of the book and all oh, yeah. that crap, and yeah. I was. I was close to him then, and actually, uh, on Sunday morning, the Sunday morning, he packed up his office 
and 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 probably swore he'd never come back. Uh, I, I happened to ride by and see Pam's car parked where he normally would park, and honestly, it looked like a homeless person had packed that car. It was a white Lincoln Town car, and Coach V always drove little red sports cars, and he had Pam's car, and he had it packed full of crap. And I, I'll never forget, I pulled up. He was coming out. He came over to the window of my car. He was a beaten man. He, he didn't have anything left at that point. And he said to me, never forget what your school has done to me. And that's exactly the way he put it. Um, and, I mean, he was he was bitter and rightfully so. I agree. He was bitter and rightfully so. You know, I, uh, I, I, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of things he could have done uh, so much worse. And and I and I can name some things specifically that I know that have happened at other places. Right. And those things were not were not happening with us. And for him to take the fall like that, um, it was really just it was more than unfortunate. It was really disappointing. Well, it was, uh, and the school didn't have his back. And I think that's probably what he's most disappointed about, and they should have. And uh, I mean, how was it as a player? I mean, here you got your loyalty to your school, but probably number one loyalty to to him as a man. And I mean, how do you handle that? Um, did you kind of <laughs> have a distaste for for the university at that point? I mean, I would. Um, I mean, I'm sure that took some time to deal with that. It did. It, it absolutely did. You know, one of the things when he was the athletic director, one of the things that he that 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 he wanted to do was create a a, a Letterman's Alumni Association, and it was his idea. Frank Whedon was still the assistant AD at the time, or at least he was still involved. He may not have been an assistant AD, but he was still involved. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, it was V's idea to create this really as a way to keep athletes in the mix, right? right. I mean, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're for, the, for the most part, for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm talking about basketball, football, golf, tennis, swimming, diving, Wrestling, you name it, girls' sports, men's sports. Um, You know, most of these athletes are pretty success-oriented people. And, you you know, they're they're the kind of people that you want to be around, and they're the kind of people that you want to be around. You want them around you. And so he had this idea to create this Letterman's Alumni Association and I was involved with it. Bill Yost, whose name's on the uh, is on the stadium wall, right. uh, was in charge of it. Uh, Derek was involved, but he was coaching at the time. Um, you will not believe, you would not believe the conversations that we had and the pushback that we got because the attitude was, "Look, we paid your way for school." Why do we need to do anything else for you? What? It was the most asin- it was the most asinine approach to anything wow. I've ever heard in my life. And Bill Yost, I mean, Bill Yost was, you know, I mean, I, I thought it had been twenty years earlier. He'd strangle somebody. He, he would get he would get so mad, and 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 it was it was it was like pushing a rope. You just weren't getting wow. anywhere. And this was a thing. So so it kind of give you an idea of the mentality that was around. NC State at the time, 
So when all this stuff happened with me, it was it was it was very difficult to to feel like you know that 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 they were supportive not only of him because I didn't think they were, and were they supportive of me? But but yeah. you know they want but but they want our support, right? Exactly. So I didn't right. feel that, and, and really until now now we formed the Letterman's Alumni Association, but really until Bobby Purcell came in and really said, you know, this, I want to make this a priority. I want some people back. Um, that's, that's when it, that's when it really started taking off. You know, Ray Tanner, Ray Tanner was rolling as a baseball coach. Yeah. And Dan Plezak was a major league all-star and, and Plezak wanted to donate. Plezak's roommate was Jim Toman, who was an assistant coach at state. And Plezak wanted to donate, a quarter of a million dollars so they could put lights up at Doug Field. And the athletic director at the time, Todd Turner, said, no, we don't want that money because we're not going to take any money that, that somebody tells us how to spend it. What? And I thought that was that was the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. The guy wants to give you a quarter of a million dollars, and you're not going to take it because he, because he says, I want to give you this money to put lights up in a stadium, which ultimately you're going to get lights anyway. Right and 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 that that was the kind of attitude that was really the kind of attitude. I mean, I think that was the nail in the coffin for Ray. He just decided, you know, if if the and, and look, nobody, nobody. I mean, Elliot Avant is, is NC State forever. But I'm going to tell you this: Ray Tanner's NC State forever. Yeah. If there was ever a guy that you wanted to keep around, it was Ray Tanner. And it just, you know, we we don't we didn't we didn't have. We didn't have the we didn't have the desire to do that. Um, when I, I could, I, you know, bring me on another night where we got more time, and I'll and I'll tell you all the recruiting stories for uh, for John Calipari twice. <laughs> we would definitely and do it's that. Incre- <laughs> it's incredible. So I told you about my two friends at UNC Wilmington that were friends with Ed McLean. They were sweet mates with John Calipari when he played basketball at UNC Wilmington. So oh wow. It's, it's, it's hours of conversation, I can tell you. I mean, and it it is. I may not do it. I may not do it so anyone else can hear it. I, I may not mind sharing it with you guys, but let me tell you, it it's it'll blow your mind. I'm it sure. will blow your mind. I guarantee, I guarantee you this: a lot of people would 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 listen to what I would have to say and say, "There's no way that can be true." But I've got witnesses that were in the room with me during these conversations, and they would tell you exactly the same thing I'm telling you. I can't believe I'm hearing what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, wow. It was incredible. Wow. So that's so long story short, it is NC State is my school. I, I'm all for NC State. Yes, there, you know, I, I've had some bad taste in my mouth, you know, from time to time, but I'm I'm, I'm red and white all the way. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about when you come into to the league playing in the ACC. You know, and and I'm an old school guy. I, I, I'm like you talk about your game of the week. I was all about the Holly Farms, uh, Jefferson Pilot, yeah, Raycom absolutely. game of the week, whatever was on. I was watching it, yep. and it, and a lot of times yep. I stayed up past my bedtime to watch it. But talk a little bit about what it was like playing in the ACC back then. I mean, you had Jordan, you had Perkins. Uh, I mean, you had so much talent in that league. And every night. I mean, it wasn't. It was never really a night off in that league. So, so what's so sad about 
sports today, specifically college basketball. And we'll dial it down even more to the ACC. Who are, on the, who are these kids on these teams? I, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, thank you, know, you they're, they're, so they're much. Going after a year, you know, they're 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 going after a year. They 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 ran off a Hall of Fame coach this year yep. because he he had enough. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm really shocked. I'm really shocked. I understand the position that Mike Shishovsky had to take when the kid quit this year, mid season. Yeah, he, he's. But but think about this for a second, guys. You're Mike Shishovsky. You are arguably the greatest college basketball coach ever. And and you feel like you have to protect this kid who quit on you halfway through the season? What the hell do you have to protect him for? You, he, he would have been much better served, in my opinion, to come out and say, hey, I don't put up with that. And if there's another kid out there, if I'm talking to you and I ask you to come to Duke and you, and you feel the need to think you're going to quit on me through midseason, don't come here. Don't come here. I, I'd rather pick up five guys down the Y and let's go see if we can play versus a guy that's going to come in, been to three high schools, and they're going to come in to quit. So I grew up in a time when, look, you knew everybody. Yes, yes. You knew, you knew the guys on the bench. You knew, yep. you knew the top seven in the game. You know, think about this. So, so my my freshman year, Carolina wins the national championship. Sam Perkins, James Worthy, Michael Jordan, Matt Darty, Jimmy Black. Buzz Peterson's at North Carolina Basketball Player of the Year. He's on the bench. Uh, you, you got, I mean, James Worthy, I tell people all the time, probably the best college basketball player I ever played against was James Worthy. Right. Now, Ralph Sampson was a two-time player of the year, and it's hard to argue that he wasn't that guy, but James Worthy was a man amongst boys, <laughs> period. He was a man amongst boys, and to grow up, kind of watching these guys. Okay, you know, you're you're as a as a sophomore, junior in high school, you're watching sophomores and juniors in college. You're going to be playing against those guys in two years, and it's it's pretty amazing to think of the teams that Maryland had, yes. that Virginia had, that Wake Forest had, that. That Duke, you know, Duke was Duke was down. Duke was down. Yeah, they but, were. Hey, look, just, a, just just a few years before, it was Mike Mike Jeminski, Jim Spernarkel, Gene Banks, Kenny Denard. I can't remember who the guard was. Uh, Bender, I ben, think. And yeah, and, and and they're they're in the they're in the Final Four. You know, they're 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 as good as it gets. So as a kid coming along watching that, I mean, it just doesn't get any better that than that. And I'll tell you this. You don't. I just thought that's. I just thought that's what you did. You know, I thought that's what how everybody was. You know, I I, I thought that. You know, I thought I thought everybody wanted to be a high school all American and a college basketball player. You know, so I didn't. I didn't look at it as as anything unusual. But looking back, thinking, man. These guys were freaking good. Yeah, these guys are good, and these teams today, the players are so talented. Wow, they are such good basketball players. But give me a break. Name me a team 
in the in the NCAA tournament this year that could have hung with Sam Perkins, James oh, Worthy, right. Michael Jordan, Matt Doherty, and Jimmy Black. It's it's a it's, yeah. it's a cakewalk to the national championship. No let, yeah. let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And I don't know if you know not because me and you are right on the same page. I mean, hundred percent as far as college basketball. Take a look at the two teams that finished in the final game, Gonzaga and Baylor. Take yeah. a look at how many guys they had that were seniors, juniors, that had been yeah. in that system for so long. That's what the problem is. And I said it three years ago. I said the one-and-dones are going to kill NCAA basketball. And right now, I've, I've yeah. said it. I've said it on our show, Billy. I think yeah, NCAA basketball is dying a slow death. And it's going to get it's You're going right. to be that get there quicker if something's not done about it. I'm, you know, back in when you were when you were playing, it it was very unusual for a guy to leave early. If they left early, it was after their junior right. year. None of this right. one and done stuff. And I mean, that's what NCAA basketball. Here, what I think should happen if there's a guy coming out of high school that thinks he can make it in the in the pros. Let him go overseas, or let him go to a, a, a the, the what the developmental league for a year, and then go. But if you're going to go to college, yeah. you make that commitment for three years, at least three years. Yeah. And I mean that would be fair to yeah. hit to the player and fair to the university because I'm like you. Right. Back then when you were playing, there wasn't a season that went by that I didn't have that ACC basketball handbook before it started. And I knew every player that was playing. Like I said, on the yep. bench, whatever, every team, yep. I knew it. And now I probably couldn't name two or three off each team. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. And the product has gotten worse. Yes. The talent, the talent has gotten better. But the product has gotten worse. And, and I don't like, I mean, personally, I don't like the way the game is played where – where one reason I love to watch Syracuse is I'm a zone guy. Yeah. Man-to-man, man-to-man is incredibly hard to play correctly. And you have these teams that are just hell-bent on slapping the floor, playing straight-up man-to-man. Well, guess what? I don't care who you are. These kids are so good that once you've played against the guy for 20 minutes, you've got an advantage offensively. Right. You know what he's going to do. You know what he's trying to stop. And one of the, one of the, one of the genius parts of Coach V's game was how much he changed things and how often we changed defenses. But I'll go back to, to, to my high school coach, Ed McClain. And, and I'll go to a high school game these days, and what do they do? They play man-to-man yeah. for four quarters, and they suck at it. But <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a high school player with Ed McClain, and let me tell you, we had, we had phenomenal high school players come through that high school. I mean, Billy Williams was all, all ACC at, at Clemson. You had Phil Spence. I was six kids, six kids. Six kids off of my high school team went and played college basketball. Mm. It was it was unheard of. So so we played. We had a base defense. Maybe it was man to man. So 
So if 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 you didn't score, you were in half court man to man. If you scored, you were in a full court zone press. You fell back to a to a two three zone. If the ball was on the on the if the ball was out of bounds, you were in a different defense. If it was a made free throw, you were in a different defense. Now, as an offensive player, you don't know what to expect. So exactly. even even if even if if one of those defenses is not as good as the other, really doesn't matter. It's the it's changing things up. You know, if a football coach handed the ball off to to to, to a running back and he ran off to tackle every single every single time, ain't too hard to stop. You've got to mix it up. And people think exactly. in basketball that it's an offensive game. Heck no. I I still coach kids. We we you know, I I coach eleven and twelve, thirteen and fourteen. We're changing defense like 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 crazy. Well, I mean think about it. It's it, it's just a hard thing to to overcome <laughs> as an offensive player. And you don't see any of that these days. So the product not only from the from the you know, the lack of continuity with players that you can get to know yeah. to watching the same crap over and over and over. It, it, to, to me, it gets old. I'd love to see a little change. And, and I'm all for the idea of, you know, having kids stick around. But honestly, I'm afraid it's, 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 it's really going to get worse than it is. It is. With the, you know, with this, with this whole COVID rule that people can change and oh, not have to out. Okay, that's great. But, you know, the name, image, and likeness thing is coming. So you're going to have kids. You're going to have kids that come to NC State and use NC State for a season and hook up with a car dealer or hook up with a restaurant and get 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever they can get, and, and perfectly well within their right. But it's just a stepping stone. They don't want to go overseas and play. They'd rather stay here. They'd rather say they played at UNC. They'd rather play, say they played at Duke or Kansas or UCLA or whoever. And now they're going to get paid to do it. And by the way, I'm I'm a proponent of paying these kids. Yeah, I don't. I'm have not a saying you, you have to write them a salary check, but you could do it in a way. There's plenty of money. You could do it in a way that you know you the, the kid's going to get a little something. And you know what? It comes down to in a lot of cases. The kid, if the kid has the ability to enjoy life for two or three years and enjoy playing and not feel, you know, this, this cultural pressure to go out and sign for a million dollars, you can't blame a guy who, who can do that. Right. Um, but there's a lot of kids that would probably stick around if life was just a little bit easier for them. And, you know, if, if I'm a Moorhead scholar at Chapel Hill, I'm getting a far better deal than a basketball player yeah. at Chapel Hill. Definitely. They're paying for my school. They're paying for my lodging. They're paying for my bills. They're giving me cash money, you know. And but we can't. But but me as a former NC State player, if I have a friend of a friend, and they want me to help their son, uh, you know, on his jump shot or something, I can't do it. If he's considered a, a, a potential prospect, I can't do it. Yeah. Now, how stupid is that? That is um, stupid. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really, and that, that, actual, that actual situation happened with a girl, a high wow. school girl <laughs> who was a friend of the, 
whose dad was a friend of our weight coach, Wright Wayne. He called me. I was two or three years out of school. He said, hey, will you work with my daughter? She's a sophomore or junior in high school. I think she has a chance to play college basketball. I called Coach Allen and said, look, this is what's going on. I'd love to be able to help this girl. Are you guys, is she somebody that y'all would be interested in? Or I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get her in trouble. And they told me that I could not help the girl. Wow. Wow. It's, it's, it's absurd. It, it is. So, what? talk a little bit about, like I said, I'm an old school guy, and I like, you know, I've interviewed, uh, I've interviewed a few, Corciani, uh, Ernie Myers from your team, and, and some others, and I always ask them this, what is your opinion, don't you think that, and I know it's all about the business part of sports is becoming more business than anything now. But moving from the from Reynolds Coliseum to to the to the new place, and I'm I'm drawing a blank on what it's called now, PNC or uh, yeah, PNC, right? Don't you think that took away an incredible home court advantage from NC State basketball? Because I just remember how loud. That place got, you know, with the noise meter and how hot it was in Reynolds Coliseum. Don't you think that's and, – and I would love to see maybe one or two games a year played in Reynolds Coliseum just for the, the nostalgia part of it. But don't you think that would be – that's giving away an incredible home court advantage there? Okay, so anybody, anytime somebody says, don't you think, that's a leading question <laughs> if I've ever heard one, right? So, so I'm going to ask you I'm, – I'm, so I know where you're coming from. Right. I'm going to ask you a question. What, what, what did Chris and Ernie say about that? Oh, they both said they should play in Reynolds Coliseum. They, that, 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 that was so, that, that home court advantage. Because I'm telling you, and I'll go ahead and say this, Cameron, they've got Cameron Crazies, but the Cameron Crazies learned a lot from the people in Reynolds Coliseum. I, I'll put it that way. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, and it, it's just like it, it, I can't quote them where for what they said, but their reaction was the same as mine. You know, that was such a great home court advantage to play in Reynolds. You know, with the noise, the the students right there yeah. on the court. I mean, you know, and I know it's all about money now, but gosh, come on. Right. Well, here's here. So so here's my take. I I, I don't think there there has ever been a a better place to play basketball in college than Reynolds Coliseum. I've I've never been I've never been to to uh, Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas, but a good friend of mine's daughter played tennis there and he went out to a game and he said it's incredible. And he's been in Reynolds a lot. Right. I love I absolutely love I, I loved Carmichael at, at Chapel Hill. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now I can tell you some funny stories about Carmichael. But I, I thought that was a. I just thought that was a. I just thought that was a fun place to play. Um, Cameron Indoor, I love. What what a great place! And a lot of people don't know that haven't been to the two buildings. Cameron Indoor and Reynolds Coliseum are the exact same building. It's just Reynolds is is longer. It's kicked out at the ends, but it's mm. the exact same building. It has a lot of the same atmosphere. You know, you see that you see. You know the uh, the TV uh, announcers that are crammed up in those in those booths way up in the in the ceiling. Well, imagine imagine Gary Dornberg trying to trying to go up there. Gary Dornberg was such a big man. If we flew to if we flew to Clemson, 
He had to sit on one side of the pole jumper. He got to sit like four miles <laughs> on the other side to balance it out. <laughs> but, but but that was but that was Reynolds. Milt Milt Wagner. Bill Wagner, uh, we played Louis, uh, Louisville in there one year. Yeah. And Bill Wagner, I remember him talking about it after the game, that that was the most, that was the loudest place he's ever been in. They couldn't hear, they couldn't hear the coaches, they couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And, and right there is, when I'm, is where I pivot. And I say, I love Reynolds Coliseum. It was my place. But we got a new gym now. And I don't think we should ever come back. We should stay at the PNC, and every game should be at the PNC because these kids deserve that. They deserve the PNC. They don't, you know, they, they, Devin Daniels. They, they don't know anything about Reynolds. Right. They, they talk about Reynolds being being loud with eight thousand people. Give me a break. You got to remember when I was there. When 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 you came back when you came back upstairs after halftime. The place was full of smoke. The people were standing out in, in, in the lobby. They were smoking cigarettes. You couldn't, you couldn't hardly breathe. And, and look, I've, I've, I've practiced in there before during the winter. If if we played on a Wednesday night, all right, during January, it gets so hot in there that the people up at the top would open those windows. Wow. Well, nobody would go close them. So oh, we'd, we'd show up for practice. We'd show up for practice on Thursday, and you, you had to practice in in sweats because it's so cold in there. The place. I'm, don't get me wrong. The place. I loved it. The place was an absolute dump. It was a dump, but I loved it. And the new Reynolds. The new Reynolds is not the same. It's not Reynolds no. anymore. Yeah. It's 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 just a. It's, 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 it's a hell of a place. I think they did a phenomenal job with it. But I say right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're the largest university in, in, in North Carolina. We're rolling out 5,000 graduates a year. Those, those people want to go to a ball game. You know? Yeah. We need to expand, we need to expand Carter Finley. We, 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 now, now, don't get me wrong. I don't like where the PNC is. I much would have preferred it being on campus. Uh, Coach V's Coach V's idea was to have it on the on the uh, uh, on the Centennial campus side of town, really more downtown, but what would have been considered Centennial campus. Mm-hmm. And when when and he was tight with Steve Stroud, and when Steve Stroud started started working on it. Uh, you might recall that was also at a time when before before Jim Goodman owned the Durham Bulls, um, and he and he was he was wanting to do a an arena, a baseball stadium, all out by Carter Finley, and they were talking about it being the Meadowlands of the South, hmm. and wow. you know it, it, it I just. I, I do feel like we lose a lot by not having an, an on-campus facility. Um, yeah. I, I just, I mean, that's just my take. But you know, we ha- we have what we have, and I, and I, you know, I bumped into a guy from the Hurricanes uh, last maybe maybe two years ago. COVID kind of screwed my my thinking up, and he and I got to talking. And he's a new GM or assistant GM, more on the administrative side. And he was talking about, you know, what a dump the PNC is for them. 
and they would really like to have a new arena. So it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me in the least, guys, to see you know to see a new arena built on campus. It doesn't need to be twenty thousand seats, but you know sixteen to eighteen. Um, we can we can put a lot of people in there. It's a true college basketball arena. I, there's nothing I hate more than going to the PNC and getting in one of those boxes, and it's just a party. Nobody's watching the game. Yeah. I want to I want to go watch the game. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's just me. Uh, but so my, you know, I graduated. It's, it's all money. It, it's definitely money. And I, so I graduated in 98. That's the last year we were at Reynolds. So, um, and so I got to be the last class that got to actually go to the games yeah. there, which was incredible. I mean, I still, thank goodness I have memories of, you know, we sit out, get the tickets and stuff. So, um, which is pretty incredible and getting to take right behind the players. And the funny story, I, one time I was able to take my dad. So I sat up, got the tickets, and I was able to get them. I snuck them in as a student ticket. You, you know how you do those things back then. We were like yeah. two rows yeah. behind the players. And he's like, this is yeah. great. I mean, he's right in there with the students. It was a great experience. Love basketball. Then I graduate. And then PNC opens. And then I take them to the game there. Well, guess what? My seats were up in the pretty top. Yeah, right. And he said, what's, the, what's, the, what's going on with this? So I was two rows back, and I'm at the top of the stage. It's a lot changed in a, in a quick quick year or so, but, um, but I agree with you. We have not, only that, not only that, you got, you, you got the German SS officers in those yellow jackets, buddy. They're not looking I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're not armed. I'm telling you, those, 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 those people take that job way too seriously. I mean, I know oh, yeah. you need a little crowd control, but what, who do you think is going to run? I mean, come on. It, it's, yeah, it's, you know, there was nothing about the kids. You know, you, you started in one section of the gym, and I got two friends, Wes Minton and Julian Williamson in Raleigh, and I used to I used to laugh. Uh, you could spot them on TV if they had t- tickets in the, in the upper deck <laughs> of the D-Dome. By, 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 by mid, midway second half, they're basically sitting in the press row. I mean, that's just... They would they would work their way around until somebody <laughs> said, "Hey, you're in my seat," you know. And you can't you can't do that at PNC. No, no, different experience, different experience. So I know we don't have a whole lot. Of time. I do want to jump in a little bit on the nine, you know, the 1983 piece because there's a lot. You know, it's a pretty big piece. One thing I got got to say, and I had to be remiss if I didn't mention this. So one of the things I loved about the interview for the 30 for 30, you guys did was where you did the interview. I don't know who picked the location, but obviously I went to state. Players retreat really stands out to me. I had a lot of good times there. Yeah. But one, how did you pick the location? Two, you know, is you know, is that kind of a place that you guys hung out or a place you guys kind of knew? Because it was such an intimate, nice environment and really spoke, spoke to me as, yeah, this is, this is a North Carolina State place, and this is where this interview needs to be done. Yeah, so, so I'll tell you about that. So, so Gus Guzzler owns the PR now, and Gus and Derek are – really good friends and we actually after so at Lorenzo's funeral yeah um Sydney Sydney had been let go and was not a huge uh Debbie Yow fan and Debbie Yow let me let me say this could she 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 did a phenomenal job for Lorenzo Charles and his family the, the school stepped up. I don't know who paid for it with a headstone. They did some other things. They had a little reception for us uh, afterwards. Could, I mean, first, first class, first class. But Sydney was not comfortable, and Sydney said, you know, guys, let's, you know, let's get out of here. Let's go somewhere, just us, you know, just us. So our team 
plus Chris Washburn, some other guys that were in different years. You know, Wash was a was a freshman my senior year. Yeah. So we all we all end up down at Hibernian down in Glenwood South. And <laughs> we had a bunch of tables all pushed together and we just sat there for several hours just shooting the bull, talking about, you know, life, talking about Lorenzo, talking about good times, talking yeah. about memories. And so when when the when the when the whole thing came together uh, at the PR that was the impetus for that. They, they, they you know, Derek said, we're going to, we're all going to come in and sit down. And when we all sat down, you know, they had some appetizers out. They had some water, pours, some tea or whatever. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. And the producer just basically said, hey, guys, I don't have anything. Y'all just enjoy yourselves. Just, just talk. And, and, you know, and that's what we did. And they're rolling the cameras. And I think a time or two, they, and, and they might have said, you know, hey, Stop right there! Can can you say that again? I know he did that with me one time. Let, let me let, let me let me catch that again. So so it was a production, but but it was it was very few of those moments. It was really more of what you saw was a bunch of guys that love each other, oh. sitting down, enjoying each other, and and that's really what, and and I think that's why it resonated so much because it was it was as real as it gets. That, that moment was as real as it gets. Yeah, to, to talk a little bit, we'll, we'll talk about that season. You guys, you know, I don't know, I don't remember such high expectations. I think you guys were kind of like mid, you had, you had lost in the ACC tournament to Carolina uh, the previous year and lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament that year. But you guys are, the three-point shot, which comes into play, and Derek Woodenberg <coughs> takes full advantage of that. I remember watching the Virginia game that night, and it was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And I'm trying to stay up, and I'm trying to get my parents just to let me stay up and watch the game because Wittenberg is just going off. And, of course, they, I have to go to bed and wake up the next morning and find out Derek Wittenberg is, is out. And, but what was the thoughts going through you, your guy, you guys' head when, when Wittenberg goes down? Well, you know, you don't ever know what to expect. And, and really how to react. We, we had a very good team. Yeah. And that, that's something that's lost in the, in the magic of the run. We, we, we had a hell of a basketball team. You know, we, were, we, were, we, were, we had been playing well. We lost in the first round the previous year. Um, so we had a little, bit, a little experience. We knew what it was going to take to at least win one game. And we had a good team. And we're rolling – uh, you know, Derek. Derek's the kind of guy that if we're playing pickup basketball over in Carmichael Gym with you know the football players and basketball players, and there was probably a handful of guys that were just students that always played with us. You wanted to be on Witt's team <laughs> because if you lose, you got you got you know you got to call next, and you might be three games down. And Wittenberg, you get on his team, and you're going to play as many games as you want because he's <laughs> not going to lose. He would, he would fight. He would cheat. He would, he would, he would call different scores. He would call fouls when the guy's not even close. He would knock a guy into the wall. I mean, he's just he, – that, that, that's Derek. So, so he's really 
he's really the grit and the heart of the team. So when he goes down, you know, still, we're young. I mean, you know, he'll be all right. We'll be all right. And, you know, Ernie comes back and scores, what, 35? Yeah. 32, 35 against Duke. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, we knew the kid could play. But how we, you know, how do you piece this together for a period of time? And, you know, we struggled. We really, we really struggled. And I can remember V talking about, you know, well, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe this ain't our year. Um, but with, you know, it's working. He, he wants to come back. And, you know, going in late into the year, you know, we, we beat Carolina at home. Yeah. We beat Carolina at home. That was the that was the the you know the game where fast break Sydney bounces it back between, between his legs and throws. Yeah. So so we beat Carolina. Then we come back out for senior night and we beat Wake by forty. One hundred thirty yeah, points. You know, one hundred thirty points on the board. <laughs> yeah, we're rolling. Okay, we you know this is pretty good. Now now I tell people this all the time when they ask these questions. Did you think you could win it all? To be perfectly honest with you, I don't think we ever thought about it all. We we were we had come through a a, a, a stage of our season where man, we're just trying to get through another game. You know, if we're getting our butts kicked, we're just trying to get off the court and get home. If we're if we got a chance, we're just trying to hang on. You know. And so we, we lived kind of that we're trying to become a new team every day. And then we then then we sort of get okay, now we got a little something rolling, so we go to Atlanta and you know, we barely beat Wake. Yeah, I remember that. Free throws uh, by Lorenzo Charles. Yeah, we barely we, we beat him by forty, you know, and now and now we now we barely got him. Dan, Danny Young was a was a, 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 a little league teammate of mine. knew, knew those guys well. Uh, we we were we were opponents in high school. Uh, hell of a player, smooth as silk. I mean, they had a good team. And you know, Delaney Rudd was on the North Carolina All Star team with me. Hell of a player. You know, they they had a good team, but we had a good team, and we 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 had already learned just how to make it one more game. We just need to make it one more game. Okay, so next up's Carolina. You know, I'll never forget, you know, V was getting ready to make a substitution, and I said, Coach, you just fouled out. The guy just, you know, he was making kind of an offensive-defensive substitution, and I think it was Brad Doherty. I, I can't recall specifically. I have to go back and read the tape and look at the tape. And I told him, I said, Coach, he, he just fouled out. He's out. You don't have to worry about him. And so his, so his mindset changed. I take a lot of pride in that. And I tell kids that play for me now, your butt might be sitting on the bench, but if you're not in the game mentally, how can I put you in the game and expect you to, to, to be successful? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we, we had a lot of that. We had a lot of that same, that same stuff going on. So then, you know, then we hang on, we beat Virginia. Well, you know, we're the ACC champs. <laughs> so are we going to win the national championship? Nobody's thinking about the national championship. We're, we want to get back to Raleigh and, and party. I mean, you know, you could drink when you were 18, you know, when I was in school. So we're, we're college kids. We want to have some fun. 
we take off to, to Oregon, I never, you know, I mean, I might have heard of Pepperdine. I can guarantee you half the guys on our team ain't never heard of Pepperdine. <laughs> I, can, I can honestly say yeah. whenever I hear Pepperdine, that was the first time I remember hearing it. And whenever I hear it, that's the first yeah. thing that pops in my mind. That's the only memory I have of Pepperdine. Yeah, what's a Pepperdine? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we ain't worried about Pepperdine. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking anything away from them. Yeah. But, you know, Terry says it in the 30 for 30. He's like, okay, well, you know. Got to go back to history class tomorrow. I mean, it was just nobody was ever thinking about the next game. It was just always, you know, we play tonight. We play tonight. We're focused tonight. We're focused tonight. And the same thing is true all the way through. We knew we could beat Virginia. We beat them twice already. You know, we we, we can beat Virginia. And you, you you just get a little... You just get a little bit more momentum, a little bit more momentum. You know, Gonzaga, bless their hearts, you know, they're looking at winning the national championship. I, I'm willing to be Taylor's looking at winning the next game. Yeah. And and you have groups of teams that are like that. Houston's looking at winning the national championship. They're not worried about the next game. They're worried about what they win. Their, their goal is to win the national championship. Our goal is to win the next game. And V used to always say, there's only one team. There's only one team that finishes with a win. That's true. You don't have, you know, you, so, so in, in that, in that mode, you're not thinking. We, we never thought we, we're going to win the ACC championship. Man, we just happy to be Wake Forest. Now, damn, now we got to play Carolina. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, we beat Carolina. Oh, okay. Well, who do we got? Okay, we got to play Virginia. All right. I can guarantee you. Now the coaches might have been different, but as a as a group, we're not thinking, man. If we beat Virginia, then we get a number one seed or number two seed. Who will we might? Nobody's thinking that. Nobody's thinking that. <laughs> and I think that was the strength of the mindset when you know, hey man, all we did, we just we just need to win one game. We didn't need to win six. We didn't need to win nine. We needed to win one game. Then we'll then we'll we'll win the next one, and that that's what it came down to for us. And you know that team, that team was so close. Yeah. I told you before, you know, we're a bunch of guys sitting around a table that love each other and are happy to be in each other's presence. I had teams that were, you know, we we might have had the best team in the country in my senior year, and and it and it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't near the the, the group of guys that we had in 83. Yeah, they were good guys, but we just didn't Jail. fit the way we did in 83. So I don't care how good you are. You know, St. John's beat us in the final eight, and there's a 30 for 30 about, you know, Requiem for the Big East because they were, they were all the teams plus Houston in the final four. Well, heck, in 85, you know, they, St. John's beat us in the final eight. I mean, we would have been in the final four again. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta ask you that that championship game. Of course, Wittenberg says he threw a pass, but you know the shot goes up. The, sh- the shot, the pa- I'll, okay, I'll go, I'll go with him on this. The pass goes up. Lorenzo Charles with the dunk when time runs out of the clock. You're the you're if not the first one of the first ones to get to him. What was his reaction? With, you know, because he looks like he don't, he didn't really know if it counted or not. 
Okay, so let's break this down a second. I've already told you what, that you wanted to be on Wittenberg's side. <laughs> That's what I said. That's what I said. The past. Let me assure you. Let me assure you that of of tens of thousands of people that have ever played basketball in Carmichael Gym, pick up at NC State University, no one has ever passed less. Than Derek Wittenberg. <laughs> so you can say all you want. But Derek Wittenberg knew how to do one thing, and that was shoot. So it's uh, a good kick out of it. So so it, the way the pit was set up, they you know that was really the last year that we that that the championship game was played in a quote college arena. Right. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, they went to the big to the big arenas, which which I hate. So there was, I think the pit hold, held maybe 19,000. It was a big place. But it was a pit. You know, you went down, and there were, there were unlike in, in, in Reynolds, where the scoreboard hangs from the middle, there were scoreboards on the four walls up above the stands. And directly at, at midcourt, directly across from the bench side of the court, is a scoreboard. So we see it all, and, and by the, it's the same. It's the exact same play, by the way, that we ran in every similar situation the whole time I was at NC State. So how you know maybe they knew it was coming. That's why they jumped out in the trap. Yeah. But come on, we're going to run the exact same thing. So when 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 Wick gets the ball and he lets it go, it's clear as day to me. This is an air ball. It ain't going to make it. Now, the score is tied, so we're going to overtime. And, man, overtime against this team, whew, that's going to be tough. Yeah. So, as as the ball's coming towards the basket, I saw Olajuwon turn to block out. He didn't watch the ball. Lorenzo was really in a terrible spot. You know, a long, a long, long shots produce long rebounds. So Lorenzo's way out of position, but he sees the ball. Akeem doesn't see the ball. So, you know, it's just instinct. Lorenzo sees the ball, sees it's going to be short, goes up, grabs it, drops it in. And as I'm, as I'm seeing this, I'm seeing two. One zero, click down on the clock, and as I'm literally before I can get to him, I see fifty-two to fifty-two change, fifty-four <laughs> to fifty-two, and I grab Lorenzo by around his neck, and I said, "You did it, man! You did it! We won! We won!" And he says. Man, let go of my neck. I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was, it was, it was absolute chaos. It was just chaos <laughs> at that point. And nobody, you know, it's it's a it's a period of disbelief. I mean, how did that yeah. just happen? Yeah. And it was certainly a period of disbelief for him. But you know, when he came in the year before, I, I told you earlier, we were the same recruiting class, and Lorenzo and I just clicked. We were. We were just friends. We were just good friends. I mean, we were, you know, we were we were just tight. And you know, to see 
to see that smile, <laughs> once he realized what had gone on, is just, I mean, it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. Yeah. What a moment. And he certainly blossomed into a great player after that. I mean, he... he Yes, he did. He sure did. Yes, I mean, he did. That, that's a guy, and I'll say this as a Carolina fan, when you hear talk about the great players at NC State, what Lorenzo Charles ended up doing at NC State those those four years, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. he doesn't yeah. get enough credit for it, or enough attention yeah. for it, I'll put it that way. I'll tell you two quick Lorenzo stories, because I love the guy so much. So our senior year, we had a friend who had a convertible Cadillac, and we were playing Georgia Tech on national TV on Sunday afternoon, and, but it was a beautiful day in February, and we all got up on the back of that Cadillac. We were riding around through campus. It was me, Terry Gannon, Lorenzo Charles. A couple other guys were up in the car, and we ride down the hill behind Reynolds, and I happened to look around behind us, and it's probably 11 o'clock in the morning. Game is 1 o'clock. I look around behind us, and Coach V is right behind us. Oh, God. And he is, star- he is staring at us like, you MFers, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Lorenzo had 32 that day. We never heard a word from V about us riding around. So the, the, the last story I'll leave you with, with Lorenzo, we were playing your Carolina fans, Stevie. You're going to appreciate this. They were playing at Carmichael, our first, our first time as freshmen. And Lorenzo's down on the block. We're in a 2-3 zone. And Michael Jordan comes down, and he says, you know, by this, you know, we're not playing Carolina until January. So, we, you know, we're all familiar with each other by then. We played nine or ten games. Lorenzo says, Mike, man, you know what this dude said to me. He came down on the block. He says, yo, Lo, let me tell you what's getting ready to happen. The ball's going to go to the other side, and then this gonna, they're going to swing it back around. I'm going to pop out on the wing. When I pop out and they throw me the ball, you're going to come running out. I'm going to give you a head fake, and I'm going right around you. <laughs> and Lorenzo, you have to see him telling the story because he's, he's trying to keep from smiling, right? <laughs> He tells the story. He said, yo, Mike, the ball went to the other side, and then it starts, they start to swing it, and I see I see Mike pop out, and I'm like, oh, 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 man, and they throw him the ball, and I know I got to go get him, and I go flying out as he gives me the head fake, and he goes right around me, and he said, all I can remember, and he, and he, he, drives, he drives the lane, I think he probably dunked one. And Lorenzo says, man, man, all I can remember is turning and running back down the court thinking, damn, this is going to be a long four years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That, that is, is awesome. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> Look, before, before we let you go, and I, I, I definitely, we definitely want to have you on again sometime because, I, gosh, I, I could talk to you forever about this stuff. But we have to ask you, we're – me and Billy both graduated from the same high school. It's a small private school in Northampton County. And your senior year, do you remember you and Lorenzo and Kozell and Terry Gannon? Did y'all went to different schools and played like all-star teams? Absolutely. We're barnstorming, making money. Barnstorming. Absolutely remember. You, you went to a yep. 
you came to high school in a small town. You probably, you probably, uh, you might remember it because you probably like, Dad, gum. How small does this place get? A little town called Lasker, North Carolina. Yep. Yep. That's yep. yep. I had uh, I had a fa- I had a family member that was a sheriff in uh, Northampton County. Lived in a house in Jackson with a red door. That's the only thing I remember about the guy. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. I, I remember that. So there's there's a farm catty corner from uh, Runner Crabbins Theater on 95 and 125 where my grandmother was born and my cousin still operates that farm. Okay, so I'm, I'm real familiar with the northeastern part of the state. Yeah, we. Well, I just remember you guys coming out because I was like, because y'all pulled up. I think y'all were y'all were a little bit late, but when yeah. <laughs> when y'all pulled up, Lorenzo's because we were all waiting outside and Lorenzo's <laughs> face just looked like. Yeah. Dang, um, what in the world are we doing? We're not going to have to in two years. That is awesome. Yeah, that is classic. I still have, I yeah, still we, have we, the, the program. I still have the program that they, they gave or they sold for that game. I think you and Terry, and I may have got, I don't know if I ever got Lorenzo's autograph, but I got Kozell's. I think I got three of the four. Uh, from that, but yeah, I, I had to ask. I told Billy, I said, I wonder if he'll remember coming to to that gym. Oh, that's night. awesome! Yeah, absolutely. And as kids, awesome. it was incredible for us. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things yeah. that just it was it, it was an amazing moment for us as kids. I mean, you mentioned watching players. You know, when you're growing up and wanting to be like that, we were kind of like that with you guys. <laughs> um, so it, it was it was pretty incredible. So, but yeah, kind of fun for sure. Mr. Warren, look, I'm not. We're not going to take up any more of your time. Like I said, love to have you back on again to talk about some stuff. And because uh, I think me and you, you know, we see we're we're about 100 percent agree on a lot of this stuff. And, and I'm sure Billy does as well from what we talked about. But man, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and talking about talking about this stuff. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more memories we could get out of you, and hopefully we can in the future. Well, and, and some of those kind of, some of stories. Some of the stories we'd love yeah, that we'll we, talk offline about. Well, it sounds good to me, too. We'll do that. Exactly. <laughs> that would be great. Well, and not only thank you for the night, but thank you for the just, you know, 1983 and all the years you put at state. I mean, listen, the, the, what you guys left behind, you know, the type of guys you are, it, the legacy still carries. So thank you so much for that. Uh, it, it's just well, incredible. It was, it was a pleasure for me to be there. I, I, I appreciate you guys. Having the interest to include me. Oh, and, uh, no doubt. And I enjoy I talking to you, and hopefully we can do it again. All right. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Billy, that's going to do it for the night. Hey, Take care, hey, Mr. Warren. Hey, we always end with Go Pack, right? So, yeah, I'll let you have the Go Pack, pack so tonight. Have a good night, Dan, with Go Pack. So, <laughs> go Pack. That's right. Go Pack. Thanks so much. You got it. Thank you, Mr. Warren. Yeah.